Hey, how about starting the new year off right? Well, that's what we're trying to do here at Discover Church with 21 days of prayer and fasting. We hope that you'll take the opportunity to join us and also join us as we are in a, a series we're calling Revival, where we are trying to draw closer to see what God is going to do this brand new year. Well, you can be seated and... Uh... I hope that uh, your new year has has been a good one, that it started off uh, on the right foot. I hope and pray, which I'll talk a little bit about today, that uh, you have decided to take the challenge to join us for 21 days of prayer and fasting. But first, I just want to say welcome. If this is your very first time here with us in person or whether you're online joining us for the very first time, I want to say thank you so very much for being with us. If you're here in person, if it's your first time, there's a connection card in the seat pack uh, in front of you. We'd love for you just to fill that out for us uh, today. And if you are online, you can click the link at the top of the video and to fill that out. And look, I promise you, we're not going to uh, stalk you or anything like that, but we just want to be able to connect you. We want to be able to resource you and your families and just let you know that we at Discover Church, we are for you. And also, don't forget, uh, we have our check-in challenge. And this month, we are super excited about check-in challenge because it is for code purple Sussex County. If you don't know what code purple is, it is an awesome thing that some people in local churches here in Sussex County have started that are helping to shelter homeless people all over Sussex County through the winter time. So uh, your support, your check-in helps uh, Code Purple this week and uh, this whole month, actually. And so it's an awesome opportunity. We have one of the Code Purple shelters right here in Georgetown that helps to serve uh, our population right here close to home here. Uh, also, I don't want you to forget that we have small groups coming up. And I'm telling you, if you have never uh, been involved in a small group here at Discover Church, you need to get in small groups. They start actually in about 10 days. I think uh, January 20th is when we're our first one kicks off. There are some small groups that meet every week. There are some that meet only once a week and some that meet twice a month. So listen, there is really no reason or excuse on why you can't take the opportunity uh, to jump in a small group. And uh, we are also working on options for online as well for small group uh, for those of you that are joining us so that you can either uh, join via Zoom uh, or in other other forms or fashions. And uh, look, I hope uh, that you had uh, some time over the past couple weeks. You know, we uh, uh, took and moved online for the past few weeks, which was awesome. Uh, I, it was so awesome uh, to hear all of your great comments. I know a couple weeks ago, Cody shared, he did a really great job, even though he, he talked about Hulk Hogan. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about Hulk Hogan in church, but he did it. If you didn't get a chance to see it, you missed it. Actually, you didn't. It's it's online. You could go back and watch. Uh, but uh, last week, though, we really kicked off, and I, I kicked off talking about it is time. And, you know, if this was a game show and I said it is time, you would all be obligated to say time for what you, okay that didn't work that didn't I was hoping maybe you were going to get my cue there but that's okay you would all be saying time for what and I would say today that guess what it is time for revival how many of you can believe if you're online right now do you believe it is time for for revival to happen and uh and listen 
revival has to start in us first because we can certainly pray for revival to come across our land. And I think this week it's easy for all of us to see that, guess what, we need God, we need the Holy Spirit in our land more than ever. If, you, if you've watched anything out of the past news this week, that's one of the things that kind of broke my heart is to see that, guess what, we need God more now today in 2021 than we did in 2020. We thought 2020 was bad. Well, guess what, 21, 2021 said, okay, I got something to show you, you know what I mean? So listen, we need God more than ever, but guess what, revival has to start in you and it has to start in me, it has to start in our hearts, and really that's why last week we kicked off 21 days of prayer and fasting, and if you uh, didn't hear about it, or maybe you've been kind of hemming and hawing about, I don't really know if I can do that, listen, I promise you, you can do it. If you've never fasted before, there are several uh, different ways that you can fast. You can do uh, foods, meals, uh, particular types of foods if you want. Cut, select it, select your diet out. You can even do like what would be called a soul fast where you're going to cut specific things out of your life. Maybe you cut Facebook or TV time out of your life because I know I've been convicted to say that I want to draw closer to God and I feel like, how many of you ever feel that you just don't have enough time in the day? Anybody ever had that feeling? I was going to say, we all, we all have, right? You say, oh, I don't have enough time. But if you've got time to turn the TV on, guess what that means? That means I'm not doing uh, a very very wise and stewardess thing with my time. And I, I do. I have that. And so I hope and pray that if you haven't already jumped into 21 days of prayer and fasting, that you'll do that. We're going to uh, close that out on the 24th with communion here as a group, uh, as the body of Christ. And uh, uh, as we get ready and we prepare for that, though, listen. This is not a thing that uh, a lot of times people think like fasting. I, I've even tried to get my, my kids to understand this because, of course, uh, everybody in the house, we don't tell anybody in our house how they're going to fast. Everybody gets to choose. They get to choose their own thing. Uh, you know, so we're all a little bit doing some different stuff. You know, some of it's we're doing it collective and some of it's we're doing it individual. And, of course, uh, uh, my daughter uh, is doing a particular fast and she messed up and, and she ate something that she she was fasting you know and she's like she starts panicking freak out well listen if that's you don't panic and freak out because this is not a legalistic thing that we're trying to do here where we're just depriving ourselves this isn't a diet plan okay this is allowing ourselves to realize that God can move in our lives if we're willing to make a sacrifice so that the more of us we empty out the more of him can be filled in amen okay you guys with me for that if you want any more information, if you're watching online too and you have any other questions about fasting, uh, please make sure that you take the time to get up with us uh, because we would love uh, to be able to talk with you uh, about all of that and what's going to happen with that. But uh, listen, I want to ask if you would, uh, to, if we could do a little bit of a, a congregational reading this morning, and we're going to do this out of Psalm 85. We'll have it on the screens or if uh, you have it uh, on your phones there here in just a second, you know, and Psalm 85 is a particular passage when we talk about revival that I think is really prevalent uh, and relevant to where we are today because uh, a lot of people think that this psalm was written around the time of Nehemiah, who we're actually going to be spending some time talking about today. He was rebuilding the city of Jerusalem, the walls in the city around Jerusalem, and the city was in shambles at this time, and, and here's what a portion of uh, Psalm 85. We're going to read verse 2 and then verses 6 and 7. So if you would, uh, read this out loud with me. If you're home, make sure you read this out loud with me as well. But here's what it says. It says, you forgave the iniquity of your people and covered 
all their sins. And then verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Amen. Listen, I hope that you can see today that this is a time, this is a scripture I think that speaks to me and hopefully it speaks to you. That listen, we we all admit, right, because there's none perfect here, right? There's no perfect person, uh, and I'm the first one to 100% admit that. Uh, but we know that we need God to revive us again, and we need to seek his salvation like we never have before. And listen, if you're kind of new here to Discover Church, I want to let you know that uh, our goal for each and every person, each and every person that is part of our uh, of the church here, the bar- part of the body of Christ, whether you're in person, whether you're online, is we want people to know God. We want you to know God in a deeper version than you ever have before. We want you to find freedom. We want you to experience what it is to have freedom in Christ. We want you also uh, to find out, you know, uh, what your purpose is. Discover your purpose. And when we discover our purpose, we realize that your purpose was not just to go to an office and punch a clock. Your purpose was not just to, to, just to raise kids. Your purpose was not just to, to do whatever it is that you do. But you, God has actually given you a specific purpose. And then when we find what our purpose is, the fourth one is, is we want to make a difference. We want to make a difference in the lives of, of the people closest to us. We want to do it here in our church. We want to do it in our community, in our city. We want to do that in our county, our state, and in our nation, and around the world. And, and really, we all come together to do these four things. Guess what? God does something miraculous, just like he did in our ministry, just like he did in your life in 2020. It might not have been the best year that you've ever had, but let me tell you, he is still a God that was still moving, and he's still going to move this year in your life and in mine. And, and why do we say all these things? We say all of these things because guess what? We really believe, and I really believe this, that Jesus wants to be real in your life. And, and, and if today you feel like, you know, you're not sure how that plays out. Well, you, all you have to do is look at the life of Jesus written in the Gospels, and you see that Jesus wants to be real in people's lives. He spent three years of his ministry literally living, going around, and sailing, and walking with his disciples, showing them, literally showing how it's to be done. And, and, and I could only imagine what Jesus could have done if he had the internet and everything else. But, but you know, he had 12 guys and ended up, as he would go around and he would minister, he would minister and thousands of people would be drawn to him because guess what? They realized that this is not some man that is going to stand up on a platform and try to look a certain way and sound a certain way, but he was a real life, that he had a, a message and today, that's what I want to talk with you a little bit about. Uh, I want to talk with you about the platform versus the pulpit. And, and if you don't know what a pulpit is, that w- old school, in old school church, you would have, uh, uh, we would call it the pulpit. It would be big, it would be wooden, and it would, you know, you'd have trouble seeing me over top of it if you sat too close. So we, <laughs> I don't have the pulpit. But the pulpit, really, when we talk about that, we talk about the pulpit being the word of God, the gospel, right, the good news. And, and so often, we switch out the importance of the pulpit versus the platform. And, and one of the things I thought of when I thought about the platform is uh, if you've ever watched, and you can pretty much go to like any decade, any, any, any kind of political thing, right? Imagine the last time that a politician 
uh, made an announcement, especially maybe if it was like the, they were going to run for something or they were going to be have some major thing, that it's some big deal. It's a, they want to announce something big, right? And when they do this, ever notice that they don't come out with, you know, just like nothing behind them and, and just a, a table or, or, or a lectern, right? Oh, no, no, we, we've got to make sure, like, you know, again, if it's a politician, we've got to make sure we have the appropriate amount of flags in the background because everybody knows you need flags for that. If it's like a bill, we want to make sure we surround ourselves with all these important people who are standing there nodding and they're excited, right, about. It, 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 but see, here's what we have to realize is when we look at all of that, that's a platform, and the platform that you see was specifically designed to send a message. Now, the message could be totally uh, nonsense, right? The, like, it, it, again, we've seen every politician from every party has said one thing and done another, right? We, we know that the message that, the, that comes forth from the platform can be crazy, but at the same time, we realize that the, the, the platform that they're standing on is trying to project something, right? But oftentimes, the, the platform that's trying to project is different from the message that actually happens. The, 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 do you get what I'm saying? And, and what we need to realize is that when we are going to serve Jesus, if you're going to say Jesus is the Lord, God, if you're the God of revival, if you're going to do it again in my life, then we have to realize that we have to be more about the pulpit, we have to be more about the message and the good news than we do about the surroundings that we see ourselves in and we see life in. And, and I think, you know, 2020 kind of helped us redefine what it was to be in God's presence because we, if you're, if you're part of the family of God and maybe you, you kind of really started coming to D.C. in the past year or so, you know, it, it was kind of weird, right? Because some weeks we're in person, and then some weeks we're not, and then some weeks if you're in person, we're all spaced out far apart, and we take chairs out, and we put chairs in, and if you're online at home, you're like, it's weird to sing in my living room because everybody in my family now knows what I sound like, you know what I mean, when I sing, and it's, it feels weird, and, and so like the, all the normal stuff that we would do to feel like we were entering into God's presence, it all changed. It, it, it was something different than most of us had ever experienced in our entire lives. And, and we, we couldn't get by with just the normal Sunday lifestyle, the normal Christian Sunday. If we come to church, we sing some songs, we're excited about it. We try to use that to help us get through the beginning of the day. But by the end of the weekend, we're just like, God, where are you in my life again? And we kind of feel like you get in this. And, and, and I think that's why, though, it really set us on pace to see revival this year, to see it in your life and in my life and in your family and in mine. Because really, it, it, when I say revival, it, revival is kind of this old churchy word that people don't use a lot. Or maybe you've heard it, but you don't really know what it means. So I, I actually, I want to give you kind of like the boiled down, the bumper version here of revival out of Miriam, Dex, Miriam Dexter uh, the definition here. And it says that revival is... It's an improvement in the condition or strength of something. In other words, something was this way, but when a revival happens, it improves the strength and the condition of it. So I don't know about you, but I want in my life, I want to see an improvement in the strength and the condition. And the only way that we're going to see that is through the Holy Spirit coming and strengthening and us drawing closer to God, which is why, again, I think that 21 days here at the beginning of the year, you basically staking a claim at the beginning of your year to say, you know what, 
I'm getting rid of all the distractions around me, and God, I am going to focus on you this year. You know, because how many of you would admit, and, and, and I actually would love some participation here, and online participate as well, please, but how many of you would admit that you really want to be part of what God is going to do in your life, what the Holy Spirit's going to do in your life? How many of you really, you want to see that? Like, uh, you want to see, I, I mean, hands are here, that we're up. But here's what we ultimately have to realize. We have to realize that the least amount of revival is going to go where the most pride is. I'm going to say that again because it needs to sink in a little bit because sometimes we don't think we have pride, but that could be pride talking, telling you, you do, I don't have pride. I'm, I'm, I'm humble. I'm humble as the day is long. You know, the least amount of revival is going to go where the most amount of pride is in your life. So if you find yourself unwilling to submit to spiritual authority, if you find yourself unwilling to just pray and chase after God, guess what? That's pride. The least amount of revival. You're not going to see an improvement to the condition of your life if you're not willing to do that. We have to be willing to be humble before God and for our dependency on Him. And, and I'll tell you, uh, again, the, the past you know, 12 plus months have really shook this out of the church. Uh, I don't know if I've told you this before, but a, a study had recently come out by the Barna Group, and uh, they basically found that through the pandemic, 30% uh, of the church just quit. 30% of the church just quit. Like, it was just like, eh, this is too hard. This is too weird. It's weird watching it through a screen. We can't do it like we used to do, like we've wanted to do. And so they just decided that, it's just it's just easier just to not a and ultimately i think really when it comes down to it I, I think that many of us many of the christians have been distracted by the pain by the discomfort by the aggravation of covid and elections racial division and now lord help us there's no plastic bags at the grocery store <laughs> i know i know i had to save it up right here I want to let you know that I need more of the Holy Spirit every time I go in now because, because of course, you never, you know, it's brand new. So it's, you go up and you check out and you're like, daggone it, there's no bags. Oh, let me get all this stuff up and take it out. You know, first world problems, Frank, that is 100% right. <laughs> this is why uh, I'm probably going to do a lot more shopping in Maryland now. If, uh, you're going to see me over there. They have an outlaw plastic in Maryland, so. But, uh, yeah, that's it. So, uh, but really, listen, the pain and the discomfort and the aggravation of all these things, ultimately, what does it do? It distracts us. It distracts us from the mission at hand. And, you know, this, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Christ, or maybe if you're watching online and, and you're not, this may be why. Because you look around and you see these other supposed Christians that, are, that say that they believe that he's the God of revival and that he can do all things. But then we live totally contrary to that. And, and we need to realize, you know, we, we really have forgotten that, that this thing that we're in, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle and we, we get so distracted by the things of the flesh 
You know, listen, I, I, I know that you all probably watched the news this week and you watched the videos of everything that happened at the Capitol. And, and I bet you we could go around the room here and have 40 different uh, views on this. We could. I know we could because that's the America that we live in, right? Everybody has an opinion. But the fact of the matter is, is are we so focused on the physical nature of what's happened, we forgot that there's a spiritual battle at plan. There's a spiritual thing happening here, church. And, and this is, I really, I believe with all my heart that God and Jesus are in heaven and Holy Spirit's moving on earth and he's calling out to his church, will you call out to me? Will you call out to me? See, we so often though, when we look back it, 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 we're, we're, we're for, forgetting the difference between the, the pulpit and the platform. And, and we, we think that God is over here with a tally of everything that's happening. And we think that the tally of the way God is counting successes. And, and I, I really think that we're thinking of success in the wrong way because we think that he's up there counting like, oh, you prayed today. We're going to mark it, you know. You decided that you, you, you did 21 days of, practice, of prayer and fasting. We're going to mark that. We think that he's up there like with a little scoreboard. But the fact of the matter is, is we, we, we don't realize that, that God, he, he does not, he doesn't count success. You know what he does? He weighs success. He doesn't count things. He, he weighs it. And, and, and if you want to see a really good example of this, I'm not going to read it today, but, but Mark 12, 41 to 44, you can actually read about Jesus teaching his disciples the fact that God, he doesn't count success, he weighs it. Because in Mark uh, 12, we find that there's an old widow that came into the temple, and what does she do? She throws a handful of coins. She's poor, she doesn't have much of anything, but she puts a couple coins into the offering plate in the temple. Meanwhile, You've got all these other people, big donors, man, big, big, big spenders that are coming in and they're putting stuff in. And Jesus really blows his disciples' minds by saying, guess what? I know that you can get distracted thinking that these people here are the ones really making the difference, that, they're, that they are really get, that they get it, right? Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. She gets it because she is not giving out of her excess, but she's giving out of faith. She's giving out of, you know, the fact that she has dependency upon God. And, man, I'll tell you that if we can get to a point to where we depend on God, that is where he's going to show up in, in, in impossible ways in your life and in mine. And, and we, we see that God, he can take the good and the bad and the ugly. He can take your 2020 or your 2021 or whatever year, decade you want to pick, right? He can take what seems like this impossible, horrible thing, and he can redeem it. Because guess what? That is what our God does. He is a redeeming God at his core, at who his nature is. And so, look, I want to spend the last few minutes here with you uh, today looking at Nehemiah. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was actually not originally a book by itself, but was separated out of the book of Ezra. And it is a book where we see God uh, work in some miraculous ways. And so 
what we're going to do is I'm going to talk with you a little bit and tell you who Nehemiah was, and we'll get into a little bit of his story. And I encourage you this week, if you haven't read it, uh, to check it out for yourself. But Nehemiah, believe it or not, I think, okay, you know, we could safely describe him as the bartender. Now, you didn't know that the Bible had bartenders, but the Bible has bartenders in it. And see, if you would read the Bible a little bit more, you would figure this stuff out. But no, but but we find Nehemiah, who's basically a bartender. In the Bible, they call it a cupbearer. And a cupbearer basically means that he is in charge of the wine list. He is in charge of making sure that the king is happy. He helps plan parties. He does his stuff. And he has a, a really important task. In fact, uh, the cupbearer is really important to the king because not only does the cupbearer do all this other stuff, but he actually is one of the ones he gets to taste your stuff before just to make sure nobody's trying to kill you, okay? Thankfully, I don't need a cupbearer, at least not yet, right? But the, you're still young, I guess, right? But but so, so this is Nehemiah's role, though. Nehemiah takes the opportunity here. So he, because of this relationship him and the king have, they basically, I mean, you you got to trust your cupbearer, don't you? I mean, like, it's one of those ones. This is not a position where you're just going to put anybody off the street. You're going to develop a relationship with the person that's helping to make sure that you stay alive and that you stay happy. And, and so when we find this, uh, this story, just to give you a little bit of context, the nation of Israel uh, had been conquered uh, and scattered uh, now, at this point, for a few, uh, for almost a few hundred years, we find first the Assyrians come in, they conquer them. We find then the Babylonians come in. Jerusalem, the city, because of all the wars that had been taken on over this entire stretch of time, Jerusalem is basically a wreck. It's in ruins. And and if you can imagine, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, ever like watching movies or shows, especially anything like kind of medieval, right? And you you walk up to the city and it's a big walled city, right? And then of course we we know we have to have moats and all sorts of other stuff. We want to keep everybody out. Well, this is the time frame in which this happens where there would actually be walled cities because how many of you know sometimes you got to keep the riffraff out you know what i mean like you don't want to get attacked all the time so you need this walled city to be a protection for the people that live inside the city and uh we see jerusalem is is in this kind of shambled state and uh we find that nehemiah uh kind of asks what's happening at home see ne nehemiah he was again cupbearer to the king so he wasn't at home. He, as you can imagine, it took a long time to get news back and forth. And Nehemiah, really, when he found out what his home was like, uh, I almost described this probably as being a little bit homesick. What he, he finds out that Jerusalem is just in this ruin, and then it just puts him in just this sad state, probably kind of like the sad state many of us were in this week with all the crazy that happened here. It just kind of puts you in this place where you're like, man, this, this is so sad what is happening right now. And, and, and when you read that and you go through, what we find is in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses uh, 2 and 3. Here's what it says. So the king asked Nehemiah, he says, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. And I want to take one pause here just to let you know that this is not a good sign for Nehemiah. Because in this time frame, people that are sad are not allowed to be around the king. You cannot be in mourning and be around the king, okay? Because how many of you know you don't want to get the king upset? Because when the king gets upset, bad stuff tends to happen, right? So we want to keep the king happy, and everybody's excited all the time. Yes, king, what do we want? So, so all of a sudden, the king is looking at Nehemiah and like, dude, 
what is wrong with you? Fix your face, man. Like, you are looking sad. But, but here's uh, what Nehemiah says. He says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. He's trying to butter the bread here. He's trying to make it sound a little bit good. And he says, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? See, what we find here is that when Nehemiah learned that the city of Jerusalem, that the walls were down, that it, was in, that it was, had been devastated, Nehemiah got this burden. And Nehemiah got a burden that he could not shake. And, and you know how I know Nehemiah got a burden that he couldn't shake? Because if he could shake the burden that he had, he would have gone into the king happy and jovial. He would have been excited to be in front of the king. Yes, sir, what do you want? Absolutely, I'll go get that for you right away. But he could not do that. Why? Because he had this burden that had been placed in his heart. And, and, and he found out what was happening to his people. And, and I really think that we need to learn what it is to have a burden again. We think... and I, and. <laughs> I'm not talking about the burden of debt, okay? I'm not talking about your credit card debt or your mortgage or your car payment. I'm not talking about that kind of burden. I'm talking about a holy burden that comes from God, that sits deep down inside of you, that helps to, to direct how you see life. Because when you get a burden like that deep down inside of you, when the bad news comes on Monday at work about something that you didn't expect, you don't get mad at the person that you're dealing with or with your boss or with whatever is happening at work because you know why? You see through it because of the burden that you have. But man, we've lost our burden. We've lost this burden for, for, for to have the heart for someone or something. You know what I, I'm going to say something controversial and I hope that you hear me, okay? We in the church... We love to talk about how we stand against abortion, don't we? And I 100% I do. But you know what we don't talk about? We don't talk about how to love unwed people, unwed mothers. We don't talk about adoption, and we don't talk uh, about fostering people and kids. See, we like the platform that that sends. I know it got real serious. We like the platform that it says because we stand for life. But we don't show it by having the burden on the other side. Listen, if we are going to be people of Christ, we also, we can have the platform, we can have the things that we stand for, but guess what? We have to have the message to back it up. We have to have the actions to back it up, because what we find is in Nehemiah, that wasn't, by the way, I'm going to say that's the Holy Spirit, because that wasn't in my notes, all right, I'm going to, we're going to say that is the Holy Spirit, because I'm telling you right now, we, I, ha, I have a burden for lost people, I do, and, and it's so funny, because now, there, obviously, there's people in our church, so from time to time, we have issues in our church with people, right, nothing crazy, but we have issues, and it's so easy, right, for sometimes when these issues to come to want to turn people against people and see this, make it something bigger than it really is. But you know what? It's not about that. You know why? Because we're about people. We're about lost people. 
So I don't get distracted by little things because guess what? We're on a mission here. We have a burden. We have to have, we have to see this thing through all the way to the end. And we see Nehemiah is in this exact same place. And one of the things I love, though, about this story of Nehemiah is that Nehemiah has this burden for something, but God actually opens uh, the purses and pocketbooks of wicked people who are not following God to help fulfill the burden that Nehemiah has to actually bring it. Because what do we find? He goes and he talks to the king and he tells the king the whole story. And, and then the king comes back and says, okay, well, listen, hey, take it. You know, you can have wood from the royal uh, from the royal forest and here's a seal and show this to anybody and nobody will let mess with you and you can pass and you can go through. And so all of a sudden, even, even uh, the wickedness that we would see actually caused part of the destruction of the city actually is going to help pay for its restitution and its restoration. So Nehemiah uh, wasn't just building the wall around the city of Jerusalem. You know what he was actually doing? He was reviving the city. He was reviving the people that lived there so that they could feel safe and that they could feel secure. I want to ask Hannah, if you would, would you mind coming up? See, what we, we have to realize, it was 100, 123 years since the walls in the city had been destroyed. 123 years. Uh, and, and just to give you an idea, you know what 123 years means? That means there is a generation of people that were living inside the city of Jerusalem that constantly lived in fear for their lives. They constantly worried about what was going to happen. How, how you know, wh were they safe? Was somebody going to come tonight and, and break in and steal all their stuff? Was somebody going to break in and, and, and kidnap one of their kids and sell them into slavery? What, like th this fear and anxiety and worry that they constantly live in for a whole generation of people. And you know what was amazing is these people had tried to build the wall back, but had never been able to do it. Never, they never had been able to get it all the way fulfilled. So we find... Here, really quickly, I, I want to let you know, there's three things that we find with Nehemiah. The first one that we find is this. We find a redefining. We find out that Nehemiah redefined the truth for the people in the city of Jerusalem. There was a generation of people that had no idea that their God was for them, that he was a God of revival. They had no idea that, that he could actually do the things that were written in Scripture about them in their city, that, that, that he redefined what it was to be in the city. The second thing he did, he, re, he put up the redefense. Because without any protection, anyone could, could, could attack from wherever. Here's what I really think about this. You know people that did not make it through 2020 very well. You know people that every time they were on Facebook, every time they watched the news, whenever they logged on to YouTube, that every time it was like an, a, an attack from the enemy that changed their attitude or their demeanor or their view on the world or, or how they seen things, they were defenseless. The enemy wanted to attack Nehemiah. In Nehemiah 6.3, it says this. He says, I'm carrying on a great project. He says this to a messenger because people outside the city that wanted to stop him from building the wall, they come to him and they say, hey, come meet with us. He says, no, no, no. I've got a great project going on. I can't come down to meet with you. 
then I love it. He says, why should the work stop and I leave it to go down to be with you? In other words, Nehemiah says, why should I be distracted by what you're doing and the distraction that you want to be to my life? Why should I do that? I've got a good work here going on, man. Like, I've got something important that I'm doing. I've got a burden. The third thing that we find, we find there's a redefining, a redefense. The third one is a, a redemarcation. He redefined what the perimeters were. Have you ever had an issue uh, with like a neighbor or ever bought a piece of property and had an issue like on where the property line was or maybe something? I know I've got one. I, I know I, I talked to Lou and Lou had recently uh, purchased a house a little bit further south and had found out that part, I think Lou is a pool, right? Or part of the pool or a pool fence or something like that was not actually on his property. I know at at uh, at my house, when we uh, first built, we uh, decided we had a few acres and decided I didn't want to cut grass every week. <laughs> it's too much. So we said, you know, we're going to get goats. And listen, if you don't have goats, you should have goats. Everyone should have goats. They're amazing. They're the easiest farm animal to take care of. It's awesome. They're better than a dog, really, because a dog, you got to, like, actually, like, feed. The goat, just he does it himself. He's just out there. But we decided in the midst of us doing this that, we, you know, we had to put a fence up, obviously, for the goats to make sure the goats stayed inside the parameter. But what I found out, is, and I didn't know this at the time, is that when we were going around, we were putting a fence up that uh, my neighbor, who was part of my family at the time, that he, he come up to me after I got it all done, and he says, hey, this isn't really a big deal, but I just want you to know, I, I think you actually put the fence a little bit on my side. I was like, man, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. And, you know, after we kind of took a look, and I was like, you know what, you're, you're right, I did. So I come back and picked it up and moved it in. And you say, well, why would you do it? I mean, just a little bit of grass, just it's not like a piece of property I was going to use. But here's, here's the thing we have to understand I have insurance on my property, so you know what that means? I'm covered, you know, like a good neighbor, you know what I mean? <laughs> my State Farm agent sitting in the back. But here's the thing, though. When I set up the fence on property that isn't mine, you know what happens? I'm trying to stake things that aren't mine. If you stake, if you if you try to set up on something that's not yours and accident happens, guess what you're going to find out? You're not covered. Because that's not your property. You were never supposed to be there to begin with. I want us to realize this year that God has given you parameters. Sometimes we want to go out and take and, and, and conquer areas that we weren't really ever supposed to be in. And sometimes we want to go off and do this other thing when we still have a weakness in our own wall in the back. And the fact of the matter is, is when all these things happen, if we don't, if we don't sure up ourselves, if we're not getting ourselves set, then guess what? Don't come calling to God about your insurance plan. Because... He is with you, but he says, listen, 
I'm with you, but I, I need you to understand there's a purpose and a vision here. There's something specific that I'm looking for you to do. So don't, you know, don't come crying when, when something else happens on the other side of that. When you cross over into somewhere you, you shouldn't have been and, you should, and, and then you get heartache and hurt and pain. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're wondering, God, where were you in all this? God says, I was right here the whole time. Right where you were supposed to be the whole time. Come back to me. Come back to me now. Come back to this place. And when you do this, guess what? You're going to find that you're going to get a relationship with the best insurance agent you'll ever meet who is 100% true to his word and has no loophole holes in his clauses. He's there. If the rest of the worship team wants to come up, here's what Nehemiah 6.9 says. Nehemiah 6.9 in closing says this. They were all trying to frighten us and this is the people outside the city. They were trying to fight, frighten Nehemiah, the people in the city working along there, saying that their hands will get too weak for the work. It won't be completed. But you know what he prayed? Strengthen my hands. Nehemiah, one of the things that a lot of illustrations, a lot of pastors will give you about Nehemiah is that they were laying bricks with one hand and had a sword in the other because they had to have people that were ready to fight and ready to secure the entire time. The amazing thing about Nehemiah is Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. 52 days. And I know that when I say 21 days of prayer and fasting, that feels like a lot. Because I shared last week, fasting is a lot like slowing. It is, 100%. I felt it this week. There was a couple times I'm like, Lord, give me strength. But guess what? You can do it. We just have to be like Nehemiah. Lord, strengthen my hand. Strengthen me here in this place. I want to ask if you would, would you stand with me? I want to spend a few minutes in prayer here, a few minutes in worship. And, and listen, while we go through the next song, because you know if you've been here before, we're going to go through a song. I plead with you. If you're online, if you're watching, don't, don't get distracted here. Stay with me. Stay with me. If you're here in person, don't just hear this song and see words on the screen. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, I want you to ask God today if you have a burden. And if you have a burden, I want you today to kind of stake a claim in that and say this, this right now is what I am going to view things through. This right here is how I'm going to start seeing. I'm going to see it for the lost people in my family. I'm going to do it for my spouse, for, for my children. I'm going to do it for my coworkers who are so angry and lost at other things that they, they don't see it. I, I, I want today for you to stake and claim that burden. And, and, and today, if you don't have that, I want you to ask God for that burden. I want you to, to say, Lord, I, I want to see things through your eyes. Help me to see through your eyes today. And today, as we do that, listen, recognize that no matter how close or how far you thought you were from God before you walked into this place today, He is right there. Come on. Come back home. 
come on, I've got you covered. I'm 100% here for you. I'm 100% ready to protect you. I'm 100% ready for you to see the impossible become possible this year. And he says, if you will only come here and get ready with me, let's shore up the defenses. Let's, let's realize that, guess what? We have to have a burden for people and for us to say that, guess what, God? It's not just about me and my life right now. It's not just about my list of things that I want to get done. But, Lord, it's about you and your burden that you have for your people. I encourage you. Let's take time today, church. And really pray. And, and, and I want to encourage you. This is going to feel super weird for some of you. But I want to encourage you to take the next few moments to turn this not just to a place with some seats. Don't just take it and turn it in from your living room or your car or your kitchen, wherever you're watching from today. But take wherever we are right now and turn this place into an altar. Let's turn this place into an altar where we get to come and just fall before God. For you, if that means you need to take a seat, if maybe you need to kneel, maybe if you need to stand and put both hands up, I want to encourage you to do that today. Let's, let's do this. Come on, church. Let's go after it. Let's chase after him today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you so very much for who you are, Father God. And Lord, I pray right now that you help put a burden in your church. Come on, church. Pray, church. Pray with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. Don't let this be me and a microphone here. Don't just listen to the music here. But Lord God, I pray right now that you will help give your children, your sons and your daughters of this house, Father God. Give us a burden, Father God. Lord God, let us realize that life is not just about work. It's not just about politics. It's not just about hobbies, Father God. But Lord, it is about your people. It is about eternity. It is about our family members that we know are not saved, that need to know of you, that need to be saved through Jesus Christ. Lord, it is about that single mother that feels broken and alone, Father God. It is about that father, Lord God, who feels so dis disconnected and far from his family, Father God, that he feels like he's all alone, like he's an island, Father God, today. Lord, let us realize, Father God, that there are children that have gone through a whole year of being secluded from other people, Father God. Lord, that they're feeling all sorts of anxieties and fears, Father God. Lord, today we proclaim, we cry out for them, Father God. Lord, give us a burden today for your people, Father God, for, for the oldest, Father God, for the youngest, for us to realize, Lord God, that you have called us to live apart, to be set apart, Father God. Lord, we call out to you. We cry out to you right now, Father God. Lord, continue to speak here, Father God.